Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Young as we review episode six of the What If original series titled, What If Killmonger Saved Tony Stark? Hey, Robert. Hey, Rebecca. It is going pretty good today. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We knew this episode was coming and I was not ready. I mean, I thought Marvel Zombies was going to decimate me, but this episode, this Killmonger episode. Yeah. You're going to have to be my emotional guide this one because it was, this was a tough one. This was yeah, a tough one to it was watch. a tough one. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a tough one, but it also kind of like I remember some of the discussions we were having during Black Panther concerning mm-hmm. Killmonger, and this kind of like solidifies some of the stuff that we were saying about him back then. Oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that is an excellent point. Yeah, because it's this this idea of like uh, radicalism and black liberation and and pan Africanism and you know which lines do you cross and which you know what I mean like can mm-hmm. you can you can you can you achieve peace. Uh, through nonviolent means, or in Killmonger's case, he was like, "Burn it all down." Right, <laughs> you right. know what I mean. Um, and 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 Killmonger is such a. To me, I always said this: is that he's such a. He's one of. I have to say that he is. It, this episode really, and you said this, really reinforces why he's one of the MCU's best villains. To mm-hmm. me, he's top three to me. Top I three agree. easily. Yeah, and it, it was just, and you know, thankfully because of the writing of Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole, and also the performance that we got um, from Michael B. Jordan um, watching the live-action Black Panther movie, it was, you know, we, I, I had such a mix of emotions because on one one second I'd be like, "Yup, I agree mm-hmm. with that." Like when we're, <laughs> like when we're introduced to him and he, you know, he goes into the museum and he schools that white woman curator on how you know, all of those artifacts, African artifacts were stolen because yeah. of imperialism and colonial, you know, and colonialism. And then, but then some things he would do, I'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't go there with you, Killmonger. Um, you know, and it really, and I think it really challenged us as, as black Americans, because, you know, with Black Panther, it was also this conversation, this dialogue between, uh, Africans in the di- diaspora, right? Of, of, of right. born Africans and then displaced uh, Africans. That's what I'm going to call us, displaced Africans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, through the slave trade and this tension that is still between these groups, right? Yeah. We see it, like we joke about it, right? Like we see it on Black Twitter. We call it the diaspora wars, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'll just be like Nigerian Twitter versus Black American Twitter. or just, You know what I mean? It happens yeah. at least three, three times a year. And so I feel like Black Panther was like, okay, so we're going to just put this on the cinema. We're going to put this on the big screen. We're going to let everybody see it. <laughs> we're going to let everybody see it. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, and this is something that I've been, I think you and I, we have a lot of uh, private offline conversations about this, is this, um, what does Blackness mean, right? And like, yeah. and all the things that, in, that it entails and the fact that Blackness is really not a monolith, even though we say, we talk about Black solidarity and we talk about the brotherhood and the sisterhood of, of you know, being within the Black community. But as people who are part of that community, 
as much as we can see some solidarity, we still see a, there's a lot of uh, division mm-hmm. um, by gender, um, by ability, by mm-hmm. sexual preference. Like, you know, just what's going on with Little Nas X, right? We have a gay male black rapper and we're seeing how he's being attacked, yes. right? By, you know, a lot of straight black men who feel that being uh, gay is is the emasculation of, of black masculinity, black men. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Or and they'll even go so far as to say, I mean, these are the ones who are uneducated, who'll go so far as to say that, you know, gayness came from white people, that white people taught gay people to be, uh, taught black people to be gay, when that is not true, where actually, if you actually study ancient African history, queerness was always a part of a lot of ancient African civilizations. Exactly. This is not new. This is not new to us. <laughs> <You> <laughs> new. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, but so let's get started. This episode. Oh my gosh, it was. I'll I'll let you set up the what if premise of this episode, and then we'll we'll kind of break it down scene by scene. Yeah. So basically, in this episode, we start in Iron Man One, mm. like basically the opening of Iron Man One, um, where he's uh, you know, out there basically doing the propaganda run with the military out in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the bomb, you know, is dropped and goes off, the convoy is attacked. When the bomb is dropped and, and is about to go off, uh, instead of Tony getting hurt uh, during an explosion, Killmonger ends up showing up because he's part of some special forces team that was in the area. And he, basically throws the bomb away before it explodes. So Tony never gets injured or captured. Mm. And never becomes Iron Man. And never becomes Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like a whole, you know, a whole nother thing. Because yeah. what I noticed during the rest of the episode is like Tony doesn't get, because he doesn't get injured and he doesn't go through the captivity and being a hostage and all that, like mm-hmm. you just get pure, unchanged Tony. Mm. you know mm-hmm. so uh yeah so he uh when he he basically when he gets back to the states he brings killmonger with him um he, and he's in his uh seal in his navy uniform his dress whites and uh, uh tony hires him on as chief security officer of stark enterprises Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and, and what's so, de- what's delicious about that scene is Killmonger basically got the goods on Obadiah's stone. In this version, yeah. he basically outs Obadiah. He was like, hey, Obadiah is the one that had funded this attack on you, right? Mm-hmm. And Cabal and stuff. And so Obadiah's stone is the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got the receipts right here, dropping them. Lord. He's like, you can get them off Google. <laughs> <laughs> so he is so fresh. He, he has so everything fresh. on him. Yeah. So I mean, just with some of the talent, we have some of the original cast members from the live action MCU. Michael B. Jordan, of course, voices Killmonger. Um, for Tony Stark, it is actually it is not Robert Downey Jr., but it is a voice actor named Mick Winkert, which I actually think He's he does really good. He sounds like RDJ, right? He does. He does. Yeah, yeah. That like I, I know Sarah Haley or Sarah Finn, she heads the casting for the MC, both the live action and the animated series, and she has a great ear. She's okay. been doing 
Yeah. So even the, the even when the original stars don't come back, the whoever comes in to step in for these characters, it's like it doesn't mess up the flow for me at all. It was just like you know, oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. he like, was he was spot on. He did a really good RDJ. He did. Um, and so we have uh, Chadwick Boseman who comes back as T'Challa Black Panther. John Favreau as Happy. John Connie comes back as King T'Chaka. Don Cheadle as Rhodey. Danae Guerrera as Okoye. Angela Bassett. I did not know that Angela mm-hmm. Bassett took place as she's back as Queen Ramonda. And we'll speak a little bit later about a surprise twist in her character. Um, and Andy Circus is uh, Claw. I'm trying to remember. Who was Pepper? Uh, I didn't know. Was Pepper? I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to let seeing. you know right now. Yeah. I mean, whoever it was, they did a really good job. Yeah. Um, let's see. Cause she sounded like, uh, she her, did, right? I wasn't sure if it was her or not. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Uh, I do know Leslie Bibb is back as Christine Everhart. Remember that nosy reporter? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it is, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow. The voice actress who voices Pepper Potts is Beth Hoyt. She does a okay. good job. She does a really yeah. good job. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, for the voice of Shuri, it is not Letitia Wright. It is a uh, actress by the name of Oziyama Akaga. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, that kind of doesn't surprise me because she's a lot younger, Shuri. Yes, in this version. I was like, well, yeah. why she looks so little? <laughs> yeah, she's a lot younger. I mean, she looked like she was like, what, 10 maybe? Yes, yes. Yeah. But still brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. we'll see. We'll see that towards the end. So, I mean, what were what were your feelings coming out of episode six? Um, I think my main feeling was that Killmonger is who we thought he was. Like mm-hmm. I remember during when the movie came out, and you know, since so many people kind of like empathize with some of the stuff that. Killmonger, you know, some of the issues Killmonger brought up when mm-hmm. he was in, in Wakanda, that they mm-hmm. tried to kind of like clean Killmonger's background a little bit, right. you right. know, like like he wasn't this like straight up killer when he killed his old girlfriend and like he just killed people for no reason, you know, <laughs> and this this universe, he's mm. a lot. He's the same, but he has more mm. access now because he's working for Tony. Absolutely. You know? So he, his yeah. plan is even better than it was in our version of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, that, that's I mean, a really good point. Oh, no, yeah, I was just going to say, so he's just more of what he we already knew he was, you know? Mm. And mm-hmm. when I saw the title before I watched it, I was like, oh, is Killmonger going to become good? No. Nah. That's not in them. <laughs> they threw us. They threw us for a loop. They I did. Really they did. I, I thought they were gonna give us like a redemption episode. Me and too. It was like it totally was not that. I was like, I mean, there were parts, times when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh my god, what is happening right now? But it's like you said, that is who he is, right? Like that is who he is. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. Like when we watch What If with each episode. Center, uh, you know, uh, centering a certain character, a group of characters in the MCU. Usually, their core, their core values or who they are as a person, pretty much remains the same. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In, within yep. the multiverse, um, and Killmonger is definitely an example of that. <laughs> and like you said, <laughs> in in this iteration, uh, he has more access, um, and and the, he, he's at least to me, he's a lot more strategic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that I did appreciate about this episode and why this matchup with Tony Stark made sense to me is that we heard this in Black Panther. It was sort of like a throwaway line. We didn't, we didn't really get to see it. The fact that Killmonger was brilliant. This is a yeah. man who graduated from MIT at 19 years old. Yep. He was brilliant. And it was so cool to see him working alongside Tony, even though we knew what he had an ultimate agenda. But we got to see in this episode that he's a technical genius. Like he's a he's a science genius. And um, from what we understand, uh, he's talking to Tony. They're hanging out one night and. Uh, basically Killmonger is like, yeah, you know, when I was in MIT, I had this thesis where we were going to, you know, create some sort of drone so that we could have like a soldierless army, right? Where there would be no human casualties. And then, uh, you know, of course, Tony breaks into the MIT (laughs) database and asks to pull up Killmonger's research paper. And then you kind of see like this 3D rendering of it and I love and then Tony was like oh okay this is and I love what Killmonger says he was like yeah I'm a, I'm a Gundam fan like yeah. clearly it's, it's very very anime like tech anime or whatever and so mm-hmm. um, you could definitely see so I, you know like I said with what if there's certain combinations you wouldn't actually think to put together but then when what if does it you're like okay that makes sense okay I would have never really thought to put Killmonger and Tony together but it makes sense in a lot of ways besides it does and Tony and and later on Tony mentions a line Mm -hmm. you know kind of like comparing their backgrounds and how similar they are that kind Mm -hmm. of like tell you know lets us know how you know how this kind of makes sense too right Right. So basically Tony is like, well, you know, your, your research went so far because, you know, Killmonger is like, I, I had the idea, but I just don't know how to power it or whatever. And then he and Tony basically work together. Um, and uh, in this one, he has that ring because uh, Tony is like, we need a certain type of power source. And then Killmonger was like, yeah, you need something like vibranium. And Tony's like, well, my father used up pretty much all the vibranium <laughs> in the last war. And then Killmonger, of course, has that ring of his father, Nujubu, around his neck. And they were like, he's like, is that enough to power it? So basically, these robots are being produced and everything. And what's interesting is that Pepper and Rhodey, who are featured in this episode, don't really trust Killmonger. Like nope. Pepper is very skeptical of him. While he's he hasn't done anything outwardly to her or Tony, she's just like, mm, usually people around Tony want something. Right. You know what I mean? And so she's got a kind of has her eye on him. And of course she was right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean, yeah, when I watched that episode, it was it because like you said, it, it brings up the same debates that we had within Black Twitter about Killmonger. Was he right? Was Killmonger right? Was T'Challa mm-hmm. right? Was uh, what what I do will say, and I think this was very fascinating to me. And I don't think that this was. I think this was actually very intentional that they left a certain voice or a certain point of view from this from this um, episode. You know, because the whole was was T'Challa right was Killmonger right. Remember, I was part of the Nakia was right. Nakia was right. Yeah. Nakia is glaringly absent from this episode. She is. And I wonder about that. I was like, because when you don't have someone like Nakia, then the things that transpire 
in that episode just coming into fruition because the thing with the thing that I always loved about Nakia, why I felt that why I was on team Nakia was that she was taking the best of both philosophies and mm-hmm. doing it in a, in a bloodless way that was actually beneficial to the black diaspora. Right. So right. she was, she was, she was, she had the pride of Wakanda. Right. And she was like, yes, absolutely. Pan-Africanism. We should be proud of who we are. But then she was also like, Killmonger in the fact that, you know, having, because of the fact that Nakia is sort of like a spy and a war dog, she's been out of the borders of Wakanda. And like she said to T'Challa in Black Panther, she was like, I've seen the suffering. I've seen, I see what our people can go through. And we have all these resources in Wakanda. Why can we not help him? And so that's what she was saying. She was like, we can protect Wakanda, right? Which is Mm -hmm. T'Challa's agenda, while we can also help our brothers and sisters who are suffering, which was Killmonger's philosophy. So I felt like Nakia was the most beautiful manifestation of both philosophies, being married to each other, right? She was, she was. And look at the fact that she wasn't there. Right, you remove her, and then now you have to compare just these two philosophies, you know? Yes, That isn't, that's, yeah, that that had to be intentional. That had to Mm -hmm. be intentional. Because it can't even be like a, oh, you know, Denai Guerrero wasn't available, because they could have easily, you know, cast if 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 uh um Lupita wasn't available to do the voiceover i'm sure they could have found an equally you know compelling actress we we're yeah. seeing that with a so i think i think her absence was intentional robert yeah i agree i agree because it, then it makes you have to focus on both of them you right. know because, when you take yeah. her out of the picture as far as her 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 mindset so right yeah right because because what it allows is it allows it to go to its final Horrific exactly. conclusions, so to say. Like, like this is what happens when you don't have. Because this is the other thing too, and this is what I really loved about Black Panther. And I noticed that there were some hoteps that were very upset with this movie. And I keep saying this: Black Panther had a very specific feminine energy, Black feminine energy to it that a lot of superhero movies and shows have not had before. Right. Um, These women were not just like supporting characters. These were women that, at least in the live action movie, T'Challa looked to them for guidance and and, and respected in them, whether it was his mother, his sister Shuri. Right. Because Shuri being 16. Yeah. And Okoye and Nakia. I mean, the fact that Shuri was a 16 year old and she was running the whole technology of what that's because her brother and her father were like, yes, you're, you're ready. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm sure some yeah. other men, Oh, I'm not going to, you know, cause even M'Baku was throwing shade at her in the, in the challenge. He was like, you letting this little 16 year old girl run your technology or whatever. But you know, it, it just said to me that in Wakanda women's rights, right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and women's equality um, is very important there. Right. Yeah. From yeah. the fact that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think they did a, a really good job with it here in this episode, too, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the people that are most suspicious of what's going on are all the women. <laughs> all, all the women in Wakanda, you know? Wow. So I think they did a really good job of showing mm-hmm. that here, that the women are, you know, they're the ones that are, like, most in tune with mm-hmm. what's going on and and they're the ones that kind of like see through the deceptions first. Right. 
especially when you see that last shot. We'll get to mm-hmm. that that last scene. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. So we start with sort of like this Iron Man one reimagining, and then uh, you know once Tony and uh, Tony and Killmonger realize that they need more vibranium in order to power these <laughs> soldier drones, and then you know they're just sort of like, well, who has a supply of vibranium? Of course, it's Claw. And of course, yeah. Tony is like, we can't, like, this is a publicly traded company. We can't make deals with black market sellers. And so they come up with the idea to uh, use Rhodey, who's sort of like the military liaison of Stark Industries to kind of broker some sort of uh, sale, right? Yep. So that they can buy the vibranium. And so this kind of shifts into uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, uh, yeah, that right? Africa. Yep, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Yeah, so we kind of see the whole setup where, you know, Claw is is brought into this episode and Andy Serkis, the uh, voice is Claw, um, and he shows Rhodey his whole supply um, of vibranium. And so it's Rhodey, Killmonger, um, you know, some soldiers or whatever for, for protection. And then that's when we shit starts going left. And so we start <laughs> seeing people being, like, drawn up, thrown out, whatever, and then it's Black Panther. It's T'Challa. So T'Challa had found out that there's an illegal sale of vibranium. Oh my goodness. And this is where shit goes. Yeah. <laughs> goes sideways. Oh my God. And so we see, so then Killmonger, at this point, we didn't know if Killmonger knew he was a Wakandan or not. Um, and he basically reveals like, yes, I, I, you know, I am a Wakandan or whatever. Cause he calls when he sees Black Panther. He said, yeah. <laughs> he calls him cousin. And I'm yeah. like, oh, he does know. And then he gets into a, oh Lord. So Killmonger picks up, I think it was, was it the repulsor gun or some sort it, of. It was like some kind of sonic dart thing that yes. he was using on them. Yeah. So it knocks out T'Challa. Unfortunately, T'Challa took off his helmet from his mask. Um, took off the helmet, and so it knocks out Rhodey, knocks out T'Challa, and Killmonger kills T'Challa. I don't know, Robert. I just my brain just shut down after that. I just I could not. What did you think? Yeah, and yeah, he killed T'Challa and and Rhodey. Yeah, and I was Rhodey. like, yeah, I was. Uh, I I didn't think he was going to be dead. You know, when mm-hmm. they cut to the next scene and it was the caskets, I was like, what? I thought he was just yeah. knocked out. Me you too. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, but, but when I saw it, I was like, yeah, Killmonger mm-hmm. would have done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had the chance. Yeah. I mean, because he, 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 I mean, in the movie, he was trying to kill T'Challa. Yeah. He, he thought he killed T'Challa. So again, this is on brand for Killmonger. Now, I have to say that, uh, of course, we know this is what if, and we know that this is a reimagining of certain realities and certain characters. I, I'm going to admit that seeing T'Challa die, it was it was very triggering to me. Yeah. Like I had to I had to turn it off and just walk off for five minutes. And I think it's because we've lost the actor, we've lost Chadwick, and we're still a year later. We're still mourning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, his death. And I think if Chadwick was still alive, I'll be honest with you, if Chadwick was still alive and he was shooting Black Panther 2 right now, it, it would have been like, different. oh my, yeah, it would have been like shocking, like, oh my God, he killed T'Challa and we would have moved on. But the fact that, you know, for whatever, pe- whatever people can say, Black Panther and Chadwick Boseman are forever fused in our brains, right? 
he mm-hmm. he, he he was Black Panther to us. Yes. Um, and so just even seeing him die on screen, it just it was like a stab to the heart. It was like, oh man, it was just like this reminder, like shit, he's not coming back. You yeah, know. I agree. Yeah, it was it was it was hard to watch, and then and then when he goes to kill Rhodey, uh, you remember the exchange that they had, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that yeah. was the, the exchange. He was like, he was like, uh, you can't, you you have to be in the system to change the system, and he's like, nah. <laughs> he, like, he like rips off his flag off his shoulder and just shoots him in the head. Yes. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you can't be working for the man. Because mm-hmm. nah. no, notice that even though Killmonger was working for the U.S. military, his military gear didn't have any kind of American. There was no it flag, sure no didn't. nothing. Sure didn't. Yeah, I'm just realizing that now. I'm like, oh wow. Um, and what's interesting, Robert, is that that exchange, right, where Vody is like, oh well, you know, you have to be within the system to change the system, and Killmonger is like, no, burn it down. Like you can't, you know, be part of the oppressors, and then blah blah. It actually hearkened, at least to me, it reminded me about the conversations we were having about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It did. Right? That's exactly what it did. Yeah. Right? Like this idea of this whole debate throughout the whole season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier was, should Sam Wilson, should this African-American man take on the mantle of Captain America? And mm-hmm. what, is that, what does that mean for a Black man? to have a shield that basically represents that is literally uh the 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 image of imperialism of american imperialism like how does that work um you know and we we've seen we've seen these conversations and um people felt really strongly right like every friday when we yeah. turn on um some people were like oh fuck that you know he shouldn't be captain america and stuff and i mean i was feeling like that too um, <laughs> but, but some people were just nastier about it some people were just like sam is a sellout he doesn't know you know what i mean and i just feel like I feel like the conversation is a little bit more nuanced and complicated and this is why i was so happy to have you in <clears throat> those recaps because you are a black man who served in the military, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's easy for us to look from the outside and, and be like this moral police and be like, well, I would never do that. Right. But then that's, mm-hmm. different, you know, but then it's like, I think about the contradiction or the paradox of that, right? Like the fact that I could, as a black person go online on television or whatever and say, fuck the U S government. Right. That's mm-hmm. my constitutional right to do that, which is protected in part by the American military and black soldiers that died and bled for this country. Do you understand exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You it's understand. really nuanced mm-hmm. and and difficult uh, conversation. And I and when when we were doing the uh, episodes on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think I even said that I have a really conflicted um feeling about my entire 20 years of service you know mm-hmm. so so yeah it's, it's just like one of those difficult things and I, I i definitely have conflict with uh my service right. so I, so i kind of understand the the issues that different people from both sides of of that argument have right because like i can understand someone who, from the middle east right like if you mm-hmm. were someone that grew up and you were watching American soldiers burn your village. And that's what you remember, the the, the, the uniforms, right? Uh, right. They're speaking English. And so like all the perspectives are different. I think 
I think all the perspectives are valid and all perspectives are open to critique. I don't think there's one that's like, oh no, you shouldn't touch that. You shouldn't critique it. I think all of it, um, all, all of the perspectives are valid and that some of those perspectives um, should be uh, thing. Like just a few, um, a few months ago, like we were, we were talking about Palestine and you know what I'm saying? It was just mm-hmm. sort of like, and I felt like this was the first time really where we really saw a defense of the Palestine. Cause I think yeah. Americans are becoming more savvy about international and foreign affairs, especially in light of nine 11. Right. Yeah, I agree. Cause I think, I, agree. Cause I think, I think for a lot of us, the, the average American, we just live in a bubble. You know what I mean? We just live in a bubble and we're just like, we go to work, we raise our kids, uh, whatever the soldiers are doing over there in those brown countries. I don't have anything to do with that. Yep. And, and then those very same brown countries that have been oppressed and decimated by us, they were like, oh, we, we're going to bring it back here. We're going to bring the fight back here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and let me be clear, I'm not justifying 9-11. What I'm saying is like this is is like violence begets violence. And that's exactly. and that's what we and that's what we see in this episode of what if is like everything just escalates, right? And that's what T'Challa says when he mm-hmm. sees him in the spirit world later Ooh. on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So 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 far we've got the beats of Iron Man one, mm-hmm. Age of Ultron two, and then it moves into black into black panther am i correct yeah that right? is correct. Okay. Yep. okay so so we kind of see the whole thing where um so after he kills them yeah you see the scene where they bring back t'challa's body oh that killed me i just was not ready for that and then you see tony's body um his coffin is, co- is covered by an american flag and then of course you know how the u.s military is and the, the writing here is very very nuanced right and mm-hmm. the fact that how um, how the American government and the American military can take something, can take an event and then use that and weaponize it. Um, you know what I'm saying? To That's US exactly citizens, what they did. Right? Because th- didn't we see that post 9-11? Like 9-11 yep. happened. And then it was like the Patriot Act. And then like the harassment and, you know, brown people being endangered. Like, I remember living in New York, like when I lived in living in New York after 9-11, they would set up these NYPD stops. It would be like a table with like three cops, right? NYPD officers. And they would just do random searches. Like it would, Robert, it would be like eight o'clock in the morning. I haven't even had my coffee yet. Okay. And you would just see these cops. They'd be like, Hey, you just when you're about to go to the turnstile to like, you know, to get into the train, they would just pick people and then they would want to go through your bag. Mm-hmm. They, would do, they did that at, at a lot of major train stations, um, Grand Central. Of course, you know, the TSA check, you know, it just changed be- radically because of that and everything. And what was interesting really quickly is like five years later, they had done a study to see the effectiveness of these random searches, right? Which were all part of the Patriot, Patriot Act, right? To protect American citizens from the scary brown people, right? What was interesting, at least as far as the NYPD, when they looked at the people that they stopped, a good amount of them weren't even Middle Eastern. They were Latino. They were just brown people. You know, people they thought were Middle Eastern. Thank you. (laughs) They just saw some brown skin and some wavy hair, and they were like, "You, you look like a potential." So it was a, it was a freaking joke, Robert. It was a freaking joke. I'm like, you're not even. You know what I'm saying? But again, this is like what we see in What If. They start, they actually make Tony this martyr, right? 
like, oh, we're going to, you know, because the because what Killmonger does is he sets up the murder scene to make it look like the Wakandans had murdered Rhodey, um, yep. you know, and, and T'Challa. And so, of course, now Wakanda gets into the fight. And they're like, we're going to avenge our son. And then the Americans are like, we're going to avenge Tony Stark. And it was like, and then, and of course, we know that this was all part of Killmonger's plan. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. what happens is, of course, General Ross asks for a mass production of these robot drones, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what was crazy to me was like General Ross hands Betty some uh, hands uh pepper pot some papers. Like they basically took over Stark Industries. Yeah. What? Because yep. Pepper was like, because Pepper was like, I don't want to go into mass producing these you know, things or what I meant, weapons of mass destruction. And then General Ross is like, you don't really have a choice. Right. And yeah. so everybody is using their slain person as a avatar for vengeance. You know what I mean? And Killmonger is just sitting in the middle, just using both of them to achieve his goal. You know yeah, what I mean? Just, he oh, just played smart. them both. Played them oh, both. He's, He's smart. He's over. But again, this is why he's one of the best MCU villains. And I keep yeah. saying that. He's much <laughs> like, and, and you know what's been interesting? I was looking at uh, Twitter just to kind of see the reactions. Of course, I watch it first. Um, and what's interesting is that I think this episode might actually revive this petition to bring Michael B. Jordan back as Killmonger. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think wow. it might. Yeah, because he's... He's a heck of a character. Like, I don't think the MCU's ever had a character like him before. You know what I mean? And like I said, again, people were mad at me when I said this. At least for me, Killmonger's motivations were more coherent to me than, say, Thanos. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Thanos was on some, I want to kill people because we want to conserve whatever. But it's like, but dude, if you have the Power Stones, you can easily create water and enough food and, you know, uh, cure climate change or whatever. So what are you really talking about? Right. Whereas <laughs> I, I feel like Killmonger has a, le- a legitimate gripe while you may not agree with his methods. Sometimes he's not wrong. Right. Yeah. It, with yeah. him, it's all about his methods. Yes. And that, and then I think that's what makes a compelling villain. It's like that their villainry is rooted in a certain pain and a certain trauma. And that's what makes them think they're right. Right. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you as the audience, if you can latch on to that trauma or that pain that they're going through and you're just like, yeah, I can, I kind of see why. Yeah, you, know then you, I mean? empath- you can empathize with them and mm-hmm. then they got you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so take you. us, so take us to when Killmonger arrives in, 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 uh, in, in Wakanda. Cause that's, yeah, that's cool. so basically he has Claw show him to the basically the outside force field of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And then once he realizes that he's there, he kind of turns on Claw, kills him. Much like the <laughs> and, movie. <laughs> yeah, much like the movie. And then he takes his dead body and, you know, he kind of, uh, he, he basically offers his body to the Wakandans mm-hmm. uh, as a, like, offering i guess you know mm-hmm. uh, for stopping the person that stole their vibranium mm-hmm. and then that's when he shows them that he's uh the the son of the prince mm-hmm. that's gone he like he shows his lip tattoo and everything and and they take him to the king oh boy <laughs> yeah. so, it's king, so it's king t'chaka hey auntie king- 
And, yeah, right. <laughs> Queen Ramonda, and we and we're and we see Shuri, so we're introduced to Shuri in this episode. But Shuri is much younger. At least she looks to be what eleven, like 11 yeah. She looks 12. like ten or eleven, whereas in yeah. the movie she's like a teenager. Yeah, she looks so cute. Like you know, she had a <laughs> she does. Puffs, and she was spicy. She was like, "Who is this man?" <laughs> yeah, she was you know super I mean? cute. Yeah. yeah, so so what's interesting is like there are definitely similar beats from the Black Panther movie, but of course, instead of T'Chaka being killed, it is T'Challa that is killed, right? Right. And and I think for myself, like, you know, like when you watch Civil War, like there's a specific pain uh as children when we lose our parents. And then this one is flipped around where it's like, wow, like you lost your son at his prime. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can't even imagine what T'Chaka uh, was thinking. Here's one question that I have for you, though, because we know in Black Panther, we know in Black Panther, it was King T'Chaka that killed Nojubu, right? Because mm-hmm. he found out that Nojubu um, had fallen in love and, and had a baby with a Black American woman and had actually sympathized with the cause of Black Americans, right? And so right. because of that, he went into a deal with Kilma, uh, with Claw to get vibranium because he wanted to arm other Black American people to fight against the police and you know the oppressors and all of that. And then, of course, T'Chaka kills him. I think uh, Najubo was trying to kill Wakabi, not Wakabi, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character. I forget what his name was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of his name either. Yeah, yeah. And so T'Chaka kind of steps in and puts his claws into Najobu's chest. Um, and so, yeah, so it was just sort of like, so it's sort of like a reversal, um, in this episode. And I was just like, oh, so my question to you is, are they, in this episode, were they still keeping the similar beat that T'Chaka is the one that killed Nojubu? Because remember, Killmonger said that his father was killed to gang violence. Yeah, I think they, I think they still, I think low key that T'Chaka is the one that still did it. Okay. And I think I think his guilt for doing that is part of why he was so fast to accept him. Mm. And and also the fact that he had lost a son and I guess maybe he felt Yeah, like exactly. He so like he almost felt like he get like fill in, you know, mm-hmm. because of his brother's son. Yeah. So he he yeah, I think some of that guilt was part of why he was so open to accepting them whereas like Shuri was giving him side eye from from the jump. <laughs> Ramonda was just like kind of like she wasn't quite as like uh I guess upfront as Shuri about side eyeing him, but you could tell that she had some concerns when he first showed up. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that you said that about Tachaka's guilt motivating him to accept Killmonger, mm-hmm. right? Because then I think about Black Panther, right? In the scene where uh they bring uh, they bring Killmonger to the throne room, and then that's when he, you know, announces to the council that he is Nojubu's son and that he is a prince of Wakanda. And then when, uh, you know, Killmonger is like, "I'm here for the throne. I want to fight you, right? I want to fight." Yeah. You. And remember, Ramonda and Okoye, like, they were just like, "No, don't accept his challenge." Now, technically, he could have he could have refused it. He was the king of Wakanda, and T'Challa could have refused. Uh, Killmonger's request, but the same way that T'Chaka's guilt led him to kind of just embrace. I feel like once T'Challa knew that his father was responsible for all of this, I think that's why he kind of accepted the challenge. I agree. I, yeah, I think there was. I think there was some guilt 
there. Like, wow, my family really effed up. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I don't even really think that. And I think that's maybe part of the reason why T'Challa didn't win the challenge, right? Because when you're fighting, it's your mental, it's not only your physical acuity, but it's, you have to be there mentally, emotionally, and physically, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and the that, heart wasn't in it. Yeah, his fight, the fight that he had with Killmonger was drastically different than the fight that he had with M'Baku, right? Yeah. It, yep. And it's, it's like you said, because even the lighting was different. Did you notice that, that the lighting in the movie, when he was fighting Killmonger, it was just yeah. very overcast? I do right. remember that, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, and I think that was just sort of like a, a, a it was sort of like a representation of like the guilt and the, it, like it was just weighing on T'Challa. And yeah, like when you look at the fight, well, number one, Killmonger was jacked as hell. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah, let's act like he can't fight. That's, yeah. Let's not act like he can't fight. Yeah. Right, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, oh no. Um, and yeah, it was just, yeah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, T'Chaka takes him in and then, you know, Killmonger comes up with this game because basically the American military was going to send those drones to attack mm-hmm. Wakanda and, uh, Killmonger is basically like, well, listen, this is, this is what they're planning. Here's my plan. Let the, let the drones come in and then we put down the force field and then we can shut it down. Cause I think they said that it was, it's a hive mind. Well, Sherry comes up with this. She was like, Oh, it's a hive mind being controlled by a central, whatever. If we, you know, and Killmonger's like, if we get them into Wakanda and then shut them and then trap them, right. Then we can shut it down from the inside. Right. Um, yeah. And then here's the scene that I loved was when Killmonger proposes uh, his strategy and then King T'Chaka says, what do you think, General? And you think the camera is going to go to Okoye, but it turns to Ramonda, <laughs> Angela yeah. Bassett's character. And then the next scene, you see her in, like, you see Ramonda in, like, Dora Malaja gear. Yo, I cheered so freaking hard. I was like, oh, my God, she's the head of the Dora Malaji. That was so dope. That was so dope. It was, it was. What did you think of that, of that development? Yeah, yeah, I was like, well, we're going to get to see her fight? She's going to lead them? And I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, I really hope we get to see that, like, in the movie, live action. Because I would love to see Angela Bassett get to do that. Okay, well, two things. Number one, and I was mentioning this to you before, we we got a, a hint that Ramonda had some sort of military training. If you remember in, in, in Black Panther, this is after T'Challa is supposedly dead and Nakia basically goes on the run with uh, Ramonda, Shuri, and uh, Everett Ross, right? So you mm-hmm. see the scene where uh, Nakia is kind of like, psst, you know, looking for Shuri and uh, Ramonda. And then remember, Ramonda comes out with a chakra. Right. This yep. is basically the same weapon that that Nakia uses. I just remember that. Yep. Sure yeah. is. And I was like, and the way she was holding, I was like, oh wait. And that and that was actually the first time when we saw her hair without That's right. her hair. It That's was these right. beautiful, these beautiful gray locks. And of course, everybody was like, This is why Angela Bassett should have been Storm. And I was like, Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically there, there was clearly a hint that Ramonda had some sort of military training, and now it's fully realized in this episode and I loved it it would make like I could totally like again like I said Wakanda was clear in the fact that women are treated as equals so I could totally see T- King T'Chaka marrying a woman who had military training this and is not a man really get to see that in this fight yeah. scene like yeah, her and Okoye oh 
Because <laughs> Ken Tijaka wasn't fighting. He was back over there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it's your queen that is the head of your of your army, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow. Oh, that fight scene was so good. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow. So, so yeah. So basically, uh, they let the they let the drones in. They put down the the power shield, and then you know, Killmonger had like this little remote control, and he shuts it down. Right. So it seems mm-hmm. that the plan is working because General Ross is bit back at his post, and you know, someone tells him, "Hey, the you know the robots, uh, the drones have gone online. We lost control of them. So we think they've won the war, and then all of a sudden we see the drones reactivate." <laughs> That's what Killmonger. Killmonger. (laughs) Right? Tony Stark had put like some sort of fail safe because he didn't trust nobody. (laughs) And it's interesting that Killmonger called him the villain. I just thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's this great battle scene. You're seeing the Dormalaji are just fucking up these uh, things. And then um, I think, uh, and then Killmonger jumps on one of those rhino things that we saw from Black Panther. And together, and then there's this one part, and that just put a chill in my heart when Ramonda put up her uh, her uh, spear, and she said, "What she say for T'Challa, right?" Yeah, yeah. For T'Challa, she's got like some tears coming, you know, streaming down her face. Lord have mercy. I yeah. Was like, wow. And I and and for me, I'm like, I'm feeling like because we know that they're shooting Black Panther too. Um, and I said this is like. I kind of always do a little prayer. I know it sounds stupid, but it's like, I just always do like a little thought or meditation for that cast. Cause I know it must be incredibly hard for them. It has to, to be. Go, you know what I mean? Cause they were friends with Chadwick and then you have to go. And so now they have to carry on this legacy of black Panther and he's not there. Yeah. And I'm sure that's probably what they're saying every day too. That's how they're affirming themselves to give their best performance. Like, you know, this is what Chadwick would have wanted. So it was, there's a lot of symmetry, I feel like with this episode and, and what's really going on in real life as far as like Chadwick and Black Panther. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you tell us what happens at the end. Cause that one, I was, I was not ready for that. <laughs> um, so What's the what was the end? Hold on, like I'm blanking on it now. Oh no! Oh, so so they win. They win the battle. They win oh, the yeah, battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. win the battle. He uh, then he's standing up on the mountain, mm-hmm. the mountain that his father had told him about when he was little, and uh, T'Chaka walks up to him and he's like, "What does it look like? What you thought it looked like?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "It's what did he say? It's uh." It surpasses everything. Yeah, it surpasses it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he like bows down to T'Chaka and he's like, I'm just your humble servant and I want to do anything to help you. And then it's like cut to him getting the heart shaped herb and drinking it. <laughs> and he becomes the next Black Panther. He becomes the Black Panther. Oh. And then, you know, he falls asleep into that trance. And when he wakes mm-hmm. up, he's in the spirit world. But the mm-hmm. Panthers in the trees watching him. And yep. then T'Challa jumps down as a Panther and he becomes like his ghost self. And he's like, what is it? He says, uh, uh basically, basically he, mm-hmm. yeah, I was gonna say, basically, he's like, does it, uh, what does he say? Do, does it feel the way you thought it? Was it worth it? That's what he says. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like, was it worth it, cousin? Yeah. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, it, you know, it was worth it <laughs> to him. 
Right. And, and that's where they have the discussion about, you know, T'Challa saying, you know, you can't fight violence with more violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like, and then he basically tells Killmonger, he was like, you're going to get yours. Yeah. On, in this plane or the other one. I, I'm not yeah. sure, but you're, you're about to get yours. And he's like, the way you stole this power, he's like, you are going to get yours, you know, in yeah. the end. <laughs> right. and, and I mean, and, and the, the, the exchange between them was kind of like, again, like these conversations that we were having about the original Black Panther movie. Um, and I've always said this, that I think that while there was an initial intent of Killmonger to liberate Black people, I think it started from a good place, but I think it got corrupted. And yeah, so sure. basically T'Challa called him out on his shit. Because he was like, because, you know, Killmonger started on his Hotep shit, like, uh, and, and T'Challa was like, stop it. This is about power, okay? This is not about you really fighting for Black people, liberating Black people, because you killed Black people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know? yep. So it's like, so what are you saying? Because that, that was something that I remember I got into, you and I, we would get into so many debates and conversations with people on Twitter about that, right? And mm-hmm. I was just like, and I always felt like, Killmonger was kind of full of shit, right? Because remember, when he takes off his shirt, he has all those marks, yep. right? And he was like, "Each of those, each of these cuts on my skin is for a life that I took." Let's be very clear: a lot of the black ops operation that he did was killing black and brown people. Mm-hmm. Let's be very clear about that. Those marks weren't about him being like some black Avenger killing white people. No, 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 no. The blood on his hands came from people. They they were stayed with people of color. So the question is, how just is your cause when you yeah. hurt and harm the very people that you claim that you want to help? Yeah, I feel right. like, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you said, he started from a good place, but I feel like he he got twisted with his time in the military. I think that's I what agree. twisted him. Yes, because remember, was it? Uh... Audrey Lord, I think it was Audrey Lord who said that she's. Uh, it was a saying that she said, "You cannot dismantle the master's house with the master's tools." Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, okay, like he said that little thing to Rhodey, like, Ugh. but I was like, but sir, you still served in the military and you cashed the checks. Like you did the same thing. Like, like, how are you that much different there, Rhodey? Like, the only difference is that Rhodey was sort of like, I mean, you could critique Rhodey for what, you know, however you may feel or whatever. But I just kind of felt like, mm, no, like you, you, you were agent, right? Because mm-hmm. all of those missions that you did for the American military helped them have a stronger foothold in those countries. Like, you don't think yeah. that Killmonger wasn't doing black ops work in the Middle East? Or even, or even in other African nations, you know Killmonger wasn't on like, he wasn't telling his commanding officer, oh, I'm only going to white countries to kill white people. No. Yeah, no. No, of course not. You know nope. what I mean? So I was just like, mm, I don't know. I mean, he could fool himself into thinking like, oh, I'm just I'm just gaining all of this knowledge so, you know, I could help my people. And I was like, yeah, T'Challa was like, ah, you're full of it. Because <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. that, you know, when you die, right, and you're on the other side, you see things a lot more clearer. Things yeah. a lot more clear. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. So then, um, I love the yeah. final scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's when we cut to back in the states, and mm-hmm. Pepper was like walking back to her office and Stark Industries, and mm-hmm. she comes in her office and sees somebody sitting at her desk, 
and she's kind of like surprised and the chair turns around and it's Shuri and she kind of like slides a data pad across the desk and she's like, we have something in common, Miss Potts. (laughs) (laughs) And Pepper like picks it up and reads it and, you know, finds out that uh, Killmonger killed her, you know, T'Challa, her brother and, and Tony and, and Pepper is basically like too bad. Like neither of our sides believe us and, and Shuri's like, Let's let's make them see it then. You know, let's yeah. force them to see it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so, I, I would love to see the conclusion to this. I like the fact that it ended unresolved. I like that. Because it just Me ended too. like, I just like that. Because we don't know who's going to win the war. Because I think that is actually reflective of the reality yeah. of the fight that we're still having. It's still It's still not resolved. We're, st- we're still fighting oppression. We're still fighting racism. Like this, it, how many years has it been? Like since the first slaves game has like been like 500 years, at least in America. Like, yeah. oh yeah. Lord, give us a break. You know what I mean? But there's no, there's no end in sight. You know yeah. I mean? The cool thing though is like that we get the outro from the walker there and it, or the watcher mm-hmm. there. And that's basically where he says, you know, uh, you know, our heroes, even when we lose our heroes, they're still here. In spite, you know, they've inspired, you know, others. And I kind of like read that to be like Shuri was inspired by her brother. Ooh. You know? Like she could that, be, the, like she could be the new Black Panther. Exactly. Yep. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I read it when he was saying that, that, you know, even though T'Challa may be gone, you yeah. know, his little sister is here taking up the mantle you know, inspired by him. Right, right. And it, it, it's interesting that it ended with them because we know in the comics that Shuri becomes Black Panther. And both in the comic book and the movies, like uh, Pepper becomes another sort of Iron Man, sort of, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Rescue. Like, yeah, she has yeah. the rescue armor. Yeah, so it's, it's quite interesting. Like, I, I've always said that, like, as far as Phase 4, I would love to see Gwyneth Paltrow come back. Um, yeah. I, loved, I loved her suit. She was bad. You, I loved her. Do you remember the, uh, uh, I guess like before What If even started, where they had like one of the trailers where they were showing like clips from a bunch of different episodes? And no, one of those clips, that. yeah, mm-hmm. one of those clips, Pepper has like a, this energy cannon and on her side and right next to her is um, Shuri mm-hmm. with her little like blaster cannon things. So I wonder if we're going to see them in a later episode together. Oh, shoot. Yeah, go, if you can go back and look at that trailer, like, it's them know. two together. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so I wonder, I kind of wonder, like, if all these are going to be tied up in the last episode somehow. Well, remember, like, if remember, timelines kind of, like, merge yes. or something. Yeah, well, remember the when we recorded our last um, review last week? Oh, remember that? yeah, that's right, your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 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 this theory that the Watcher is going to sort of, he's kind of like this cosmic Nick Fury and he's going to create like his own Avengers of the, you know, of the universe. The with, yeah, with Captain Marvel and like the T'Challa Star-Lord and the, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I, I guess from this episode, I mean, can't use Killmonger because <laughs> he ain't no hero. <laughs> I guess they'll be using Pepper and, and, and Shuri, right, to be part of the lineup yeah, or whatever. So I'm curious where that video, like what episode that video is from. Like, is it some, from something we're going to see this year or is it like season two? 
Like yeah, I, well, because we're because we're because I know season one is nine episodes and season two is nine episodes as well. So it's got to. Yeah, I think maybe by the end of the first season, we're going to see <laughs> the watch. I don't know what his equivalent of Avengers Assemble <laughs> is, but I mean, clearly, like we've been watching as we've seen the watcher. Remember, we said that like he's had a more pronounced presence in each yeah. episode. He's clearly up to something. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah there's, he's, he's like fully out this episode. Yeah, like yeah, right. And so there's clearly like some sort of agenda, and mm-hmm. sort of yeah. And I think it was made very, very clear in episode four with the Doctor Strange. Yeah, the Doctor Strange one. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, that that exchange that they had at the end. He was like, "Yeah, I could have saved you, but I won't." It's just- <laughs> But you all stay here and watch but your But he really did because he's still there. <laughs> he's still there in that gem. So he's actually still around. Lord have mercy. So, yeah, they're saying that Dark Strange is part of it. I mean, okay, but let me, so let me ask you a question. Because I just said, like, they can't use Killmonger for that, right? So we're talking about redemption, right? Like redemption for certain characters. If Doctor Strange, if this Dark Strange and doing all the mess that he did, could find redemption. Could we not find redemption for Killmonger? This version of Killmonger. I, I mean, I guess we could if Killmonger wanted to be redeemed. I think that's the mm. thing with Killmonger. Like, I feel like that Dark Strange, mm. you know, he did it for love and now he sees where he went wrong. Like, maybe he'd want to be redeemed, but I don't know mm-hmm. that Killmonger wants to be redeemed. Mm-mm, not at all. Because <laughs> no, he, he, he believes in his cause. And the one thing I will say about Killmonger is that he is passionate about what he believes in, although it is very misguided. You yeah. cannot get him off that path. You know what I'm saying? But, but again, like what I said earlier, the, the absence of Nakia and her point of view was mm-hmm. very noticeable to me, but I think that was like, a good and, catch. That was a yeah, really good catch. Yeah. But I think what they've done is in a way, they've still kept that feminine energy by having pepper and Shuri partner to and Ramonda. Yeah, yeah. For real. And Ramonda, yeah. yeah. So it's gonna be really interesting uh to see like if they're gonna revisit that episode and just what you said about the clip of seeing Shuri and, and Pepper um um partnering Working together. Stuff. So yeah, I'm excited for episode seven. Oh my god, we only have three more episodes. This is going to I know, be- <laughs> I know. It's going by so fast. <laughs> But this has been so much because you and I have been looking forward to doing these recaps. So I was just like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but no, this episode was um, much like the strange episode, you know, where it, it it stayed with me for days after. Like my like I was just still ruminating on it, still like going back to it. And so like this episode, I, I feel like it's it's going to have like a resonance with people. Like, it's yeah. wow. It hits hard. It hits hard. It hits hard. It hits hard. Yeah. Well, thank you, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> for no joining problem. Me again for another one. So we will be back next Wednesday to review episode seven of What If. And of course, you can find What If on Disney Plus streaming. Um, you can hit up me and Robert. Robert, you're at Robert Young. At, at Robert C. Young. At Robert, at Robert C. C. Young. Yep. Yeah. And of course, you can find me at filmfatal underscore NYC. If you have any thoughts or comments, even if you disagree, all disagreements are welcome. Um, you're free to tag us and also use the hashtag the Spectrum Lounge. And we're more than happy to talk and engage with you. Um, so thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side.